Hi, this is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and this is number 66 Q&A for my Facebook coaching group, and it's uh, November 16th, 2021. First of all, I would like to welcome a new member, Katrina, out of Florida, and we are at 92 members in 20 states, so I love our group. It's um, filled with amazing people. From just starting out, working on their horsemanship to running 1D barrels and have big goals for super shows and rodeos and such. So <clears throat> we have youth riders that are doing high school rodeo, junior rodeo. So it's just a really great mix. Um, even uh, 4-H riders, we have a really good mix of, um, of youth and adult riders from just starting to the top level. So welcome everybody. Um, Last week's challenge was one-handed riding, and I recommended you try it on the D pattern or single barrel. It really gets you focused on riding with your eyes and your body and your energy more and less with your reins and your hands um, and learning how to just lightly guide with your hands and use your legs more for direction as well as your eyes, your shoulder, and your hip is the main cue. So I hope everybody gave that a try. This week's challenge is going to be doing single barrel on the pattern. And you will do the big circle two-handed, the small circle one-handed. There's videos posted in the group for that. Um, if you don't have enough room to work a true pattern with a big circle and small, then just work a single barrel and work on true terms. And there's a video of me trotting and loping in the group doing that. So that way you only need about a hundred foot area to work that, preferably in sand and then grass. So for safety purposes, but again, it is to allow you to ride to spots one and two and snap out at spot three. So you get that feeling of collection and extension, the go, the rate, the turn cues without over drilling the pattern, but getting you and your horse really connected with muscle memory so that it's on autopilot when you're in competition um, and riding really, really well off of your body um, so that you don't have to use so much hand. Um, so you've got your voice, your eyes, your body, some leg and a little bit of hand. So um, I'm going to start a video series very soon uh, with a lot of dry work, everything from the ground onto in the saddle, but really focusing on horsemanship because I feel like 80% of your time should be spent, you know, on your open horses, you're probably just conditioning them mainly. You're not doing much for pattern or drills versus your baby horses or your novice horses. But, um, but there's never a point in a horse's career, you know, even at the top and the open level, um, that they don't need to go to back to basics a little bit for some suppling and collection work. So I'm going to be doing a lot on dry work and dry work is everything from face flexing to transitions, rollback, side passing, um, perfect circles, you know, counter arcing, lateral bending, vertical flexing, you know, just all of those different things that are really important um, to tracking leg laterals, all of that stuff, moving a hind quarters, moving a shoulder, all the things that keep your horse light and soft and responsive. Um, that are really important when you're going fast that you know they're going to respond. So uh, hopefully you all have been uh, paying attention to my podcast. I've done a few podcasts, um, one on how to gain um, uh, confidence um, 
So there's one in there about confidence. There's a couple of new ones. So go ahead and take a look at the podcast. There's uh, two or three in there for you. Um, just things that I, I, you know, wanted to spend more time on. We'll touch on them briefly today in the podcast, but I wanted to do like 10 minutes on one thing. So I just did that, um, instead of doing it today's podcast. Um, and, uh, let's see here. I did a members highlight on two members in the group. I've sent out several, but, um, you know, I'm waiting for some to come in, but Rita out of Oklahoma and Danielle here in Florida. So I hope you guys read those members highlights. I love getting to know our members a little bit more and, you know, their life experiences, their advice that they share. It's really fun to get to know them, um, you know, what they do for a living, you know, their horses, get to know a little bit more about them. So that's been fun. I also did a tribute to four special horses in our group that we lost last year or this year in 2021. And, um, you know, I wanted to pay a special tribute to them because I know that's been heartbreaking for their owners. And um, I know there's a couple more in the group that I just found out about. So, um, you know, we can't do anything for you except say that we are sorry for your loss. And and we know how hard it is because we love our four-legged babies like our own children too. And so we know your loss. And I just wanted to pay tribute to them because... You know, they may not be here right now, but they're still in our hearts and and hopefully we'll see them in heaven one day. So so I did attribute to them beautiful pictures of them and their um you know mentioned to their owners. So I hope everybody took a look at that and just said a little prayer for those those families. Um okay, so today is special. Today is chapter nine about the heart of the champions and boy is that a huge chapter but I really love this chapter it's a big one but it's also one that says um, the chapter is called choose your focus wisely and um, this one's really uh, you know uh, what coaching is all about um, you know uh, 50% is skill and 50% is mindset and anybody who's been in my group the last year plus knows that I, I focus 50% on both um, because that's how important uh, mindset is. So this is a really good chapter. So I hope you got the book. I hope you read this chapter. I hope you highlighted it. And then go ahead and give me your input um, in the group afterwards, what you took away from this chapter the most as well for you. Everybody is going to perceive things different. Um, what do they say? Perception isn't necessarily the situation as much as it is the person, you know, um, so your, your life's experiences a lot of times is how you respond to different situations or how you read something, interpret it. So it's always fun to see how everybody interprets different things. Um, we have a lot of shout outs. I, I think I'm caught up on videos. I did about uh, 17 um, members videos, but there's probably about 25 videos I did because there was multiple horses for several. But um, congratulations to Rita in Oklahoma. You had some really nice improvements. Really proud of you on that first barrel with Tiger. It's getting super solid. Um, you did great. Um, Connie, also you finished your year in with MBHA. You did great um, in the 3D and the 2D. Connie uh, ended up in Oklahoma with Jewel, 2D year in champion in the um, Open, and then third in the Seniors, 1D. So congratulations. For the end of your year with MBHA. Um, 
Let's see here. We had a lot of uh, uh, stuff going on. Danielle, you did a little tune-up on Martini, and oh my goodness, what a huge improvement. You had a personal best just a week after a tune-up. Uh, let's see here. Teresa is doing really good um, with her baby. Jill and Cooper had a personal best on doing one-handed drills, so I'm proud of you for that. Uh, Angela and Buster, uh, very consistent runs. Kaylee and Jesse had a personal best, super awesome. Won the 3D Open and the 2D Youth placed in that with a 16.5 at Okeechobee, Florida. So that was your fastest time ever there. Allie and Bruce, I'm super proud of you. After a duck off last week, you went in there and changed where you were riding to and your focus, and you had a, a, clean, or a pattern. You got him through the pattern really nice. He caught the first barrel, but still huge improvement, so I'm proud of you. And uh, let's see here. Katrina and Sinatra, uh, uh, welcome to the group. I did your videos, um, and I, I think you have a lot of stuff to work on. Um, Martine brought Shawnee to the clinic and had a gorgeous, gorgeous lope through at the end there. Beautiful job. Uh, Lisa and Easy are back at it. Um, Tina and Alabama, good job with Elsa and Reno. Um, looking good. Just work a little bit more on your body cues, and I think you're going to do great. Mac and Suspicious, super proud of you. Um, seventh in the 1D with 120-plus riders at the MBHA. Also won the youth uh, 1D in the um, double header as well as placing third with the mbha youth 1d so congratulations to you um there are a couple more let's see i had to spread it out i had so many things going on this week let's see here uh, i didn't want to forget anybody <clears throat> let's see avery and maverick uh, made some really nice improvements Lindsay and peapot are working on their first barrel looking good so I, I don't know. I think that's all that I've heard of so far this week. If you haven't sent me your video and you would like me to do um, a video review for you. And also, if you haven't told me about your win for last week, whatever it is, let me know. If we have a personal best, we'll add you to the drawing. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the questions. Um, if you guys haven't noticed yet in the group, I'm doing a 2022 challenge that's going to start in December. So um, it's going to be called Making Your Dreams Come True. And the first thing I want you to do is go out and buy a day timer. You know, a, a week at a glance, a day at a glance calendar, whatever you like for 2022. Some of you may just want to do it in your phone. But I can tell you having a day timer and, um, and whatever day timer you get, make sure there's a couple blank pages where, you know, like note pages where you can write down your big goal for 2022. Like if you pick one association, maybe you want to go for year-end awards with MBHA, or maybe you want to fill your WPRA permit, or maybe you want to uh, place in the 2D at Super Shows. Um, whatever, whatever your goal is, um, whatever that big goal is for 2022, let's go ahead and write it down. And then we're going to make a calendar, uh, not a calendar, a schedule for each, you know, what you would, what a perfect, if you could plan a perfect day, you know, your Monday through Friday day, what would it look like from 5 a.m. till 8 p.m.? And literally write down everything from, you know, if you wake up and say a little prayer and be thankful to when you feed and clean stalls to your exercising and, you know, eating healthy and 
uh, riding your horses and, you know, you obviously have work or school in there, um, you know, your errands, whatever, whatever keeps you on track and gives you that focus to stay on schedule and make 1% improvements every day. Because the way that we get to a big goal is by doing a little something every day that develops that discipline and that consistency. Even when we don't want to, even when it's hot or cold or we don't feel all that motivated or great, discipline's going to get you through even on the days you don't feel necessarily super inspired. So I, that's where I want you to start. Um, that daily schedule is going to develop consistency <coughs> and that's what's going to lead to those goals coming true for you for 2022. So I do want to thank everybody in the group uh, that have told a friend about the the um, the group. So if if you ever want to pay me a big thank you or a compliment for for anything, the best thing you can do for me is tell a friend like Danielle did with Katrina, and um, and if they join, that's awesome. So my my goal is to help everybody improve, but this is also how I take care of my five horses, three dogs, and myself. So. Thank you guys for that, and um, and so again, thank you guys um, for referring people for lessons and clinics as well, so I really appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. I do have December 19th clinic coming up in Lady Lake, Florida. There's 11 riders so far uh, with deposits paid. There's one spot left, and then the next clinic is January 30th in Lady Lake Covered Arena, El Cross Arena. And I think I have five or six names down. Those deposits are due December 1st. So if you know anyone interested, let me know. And then I'm going to schedule a couple more in the new year, January, February, and March here as well. So at my, my farm here in Keystone Heights. Okay, so as I mentioned, there was a podcast I did on confidence because someone asked me, how do you feel more confident in competition? And, you know, I go over several things and a winning streak will definitely do that for you. But a horse can also give you confidence, just as a horse can take it away from you. If, you know, if you're really green and they're really green, sometimes getting a horse that really knows their jobs is the, the greatest thing that I, I've seen happen for adults and kids over the years. And that certainly happened for me with my parents buying me a Welsh pony that knew all the games when I was eight. I just kind of had to hang on and she did the rest. Um... But practice and preparation can also give you confidence. The more you practice, the more you prepare, the more you're going to feel confident on game day. So that's really important as well. Your body language can also give you confidence. You know, sometimes you meet people that are just naturally confident. They almost come off cocky. And, you know, and some people are taught you should be humble and all of that and, and such. But, but it's also important your body language that you do carry yourself in a confident way because you have to believe in yourself to achieve. So I went ahead and went into that detail on a podcast. Um, I also did a, a, a podcast on secrets to success. Um, and a lot of that has to do with getting out of your comfort zone, um, knowing that it's not a fairy tale, you know, it's going to have a lot of uh, adversity, ups and downs. It's never going to be easy. You just have to learn to love the process and it will be worth it. So I went into that in more detail. Uh, the question that came in was, um, what is the most important thing to have when you start hauling and competing on a regular basis? Um, 
there's several things and I did a podcast on that as well. So you can listen to that because it kind of goes into more detail. But I think the number one thing is to really know your horse. Um, the more you know your horse, what they like, dislike, when they feel good, don't feel good, the better. Having that really strong relationship with your horse is going to help you be consistent out there. Um, but also the village of people that you work with from your coach to your farrier, your veterinarian, your dentist, um, your body work person, all that's really, really important. So, um, so definitely consider that. Um, and you just kind of got to take one run at a time and, uh, you know, review videos and, and, um, and photos and stuff. And a lot of people like to have other things out on the road with them, you know, from Beamer blankets to, uh, Ashley Odom in our group actually had the first Beamer blanket that I know of. She came out with them when they first came out, she got one. Um, and she does massage as well as Beamer blankets, Magna waves, theraplates. There's so many things people do ice boots, um, you know, to keep their horses feeling good. So you absolutely can have your magnetic blankets, your back on track boots. There's a lot of good stuff that you can do for your horses yourself, stretching, massage, um, where you don't have to rely on someone else for your in-between runs and such and recovery, as well as a really important diet and nutrition. Make sure they're getting the vitamins and minerals they need to recover well. All of that is important. Just like for you, the better you... Uh, take care of yourself the better you feel eating junk food versus eating you know healthier with your fruits and vegetables and and um and whole foods not your uh, fast foods so anyways um so all of those things are really important as well as a positive attitude so you can listen to that podcast for a little bit more information um the next question i got is um she worked on rate for a week and the horse was doing really good at a walk trot and lope but when she went fast, the horse went by the barrel. So first of all, one week is probably not enough. And um, you may have to, when you go faster, not only use your body and your voice, but also do a light bump with your hands. And you may have to sit down a stride sooner. So if you sit down at two strides at a walk trot lope, at a run, you might have to sit down at three strides to give them a little bit more notice. So I don't think you need a bigger bit. You asked that question as well. Um, a leverage bit that you have was fine. You you have kind of a, a medium shanked leverage bit, and, and that's a bit your horse is used to. Bigger bits don't train horses, but a bit more knowledge does. So stick with the tune-up. Trust your tune-up. Trust the walking, stopping on a loose rein, trotting, stopping on a loose rein, loping to the burrow, stopping on a loose rein. If they don't stop off body and voice, back them up a couple steps with your hands, seat, and legs, and clucking. Um and be prepared when you go faster. It's an education with speed process to sit earlier, bump them maybe before you go to the horn with a light bump. And that just will back up your voice and also keep them square and set their uh, weight to their hindquarters. So, um, but body first, you know, with your voice uh, next and then, um, you know, like, you know, you can really exhale, sit deep, soften your body into your seat of your saddle then use your voice, and then use your hands in that order. Um, so, and the moral to that story is it works because you had an amazing run. You sent me, uh, or you posted your video. I, I, I'm trying to remember if you sent it for me to review or if you just posted it. But it was really awesome. Um, you were having trouble with rate on two barrels, and all three barrels were gorgeous, and you were in the bottom of the 1D. So your tuna paid off. 
It really makes me happy. There were two riders this week that tuned on their horses for a week from issues last week and um, had huge improvements this week, personal best. So that makes me happy to know that the advice I'm giving you is working. So congratulations and um, for doing the work and, um, and, and you're the one doing the tune-up. You're the one out there doing the right cues and competitions. So be proud of yourself. Uh, the next question was, when to use in and out versus straighter longer on the pattern for a tune-up? That's a great question. Um, those are two of my TLC drills. Um, I tend to use straighter longer more in competition. And I also will use it if a horse has anticipation. So I may go, you know, at a walk, trot, or a lope to each barrel and stop when my leg gets to barrel, make sure my horse is square or their hip is in. I'll use my outside leg in the back cinch and put the hip in. Um, but I'll use in and outs if I have a horse that really likes to drop their shoulder in a turn or wants to start their turns too soon or they get really, really stiff on me. So then I'll use my in and outs and, um, and I'll use in and outs more for training and not for competition. I'll go back to straighter longer in competition, but I definitely tune with the in and outs. Um, so what I would do if it's a really bad issue on the in and outs, I would take them to my normal arc on first and then start going to a three foot pocket. But then like one or two strides before the barrel, I'm going to step in my outside stirrup and I'm going to use my inside hand and leg and get their nose, pick up their shoulder, move that rib out and really move them out to like six feet going in six feet um, at spot one and two, the entrance in the backside. And then I'll finish three feet on spot three. And then I'll go to second and third with a three foot pocket, but one or two strides before the barrel, I step in that outside stirrup, pick them up with my inside hand and leg, get nose, shoulder picked up and ribs out. And that'll automatically put the hip in, which is what we want. And we want them to move away from the barrel, six feet going in spot one, six feet on the backside spot two. And we're riding the back feet and the front feet to the same tracks and then finish tight three feet. Um, at spot three, the exit. So I will do that. Um, and I'll do it at a walk trot and even a slow lope where when I sit down and pick up my horse that they're picking up their shoulder and moving away from the barrel instead of dropping shoulders and moving into the barrel. So that's when I use that drill. And there's videos in the group uh, on that. If you have, can't find it, just ask. Let's see here. Uh, next question. My horse will not calm down loping um, the single barrel drill at the house, the tail swishing, they're cross-firing. When I stop, they'll paw. Okay, so if you have a horse like that that's a little bit more hot and fractious, just stay at a walk and a trot or no barrel at all. Just have an open arena with nothing in it and just work on walking a big circle and a small circle, like an 80-foot you know, circle, 80 to 100-foot circle into like a 10 to 20-foot circle. And then do it at a post-trot sit jog when they're ready or just a sit jog. You may not be able to lope that hot horse for a while, but if they can lope circles at a barrel race for you and they're just getting rattled because there's a barrel involved, just take the barrel away um, and just work on working on a big and a small circle for collection and extension. But again, it doesn't have to be built in a day. So if you can only do it right at a walk trot, maybe next month they can lope calm circles. So just work on um, collection, you know, make sure they're soft laterally. Sometimes doing nose in, nose out every quarter turn of your circle will calm them down and see how that works for you as well. 
So uh, that would be my suggestion for that. Um, if you have a horse, the next question is, I have a horse that's not running home as fast as they run through the pattern. So um, this particular horse, I know they use Lasix on them that they can be a bleeder. So um, make sure you talk to your vet, make sure there's not anything going on with recovery, but you may wanna try those nasal flare strips. I think they're about 15 bucks a piece if you buy a package and just put them on their nose pre-race pre and see if that helps them breathe. Also look at your conditioning program at home. Um, you're coming out of Florida summer into the cooler weather. So maybe you can do some more long trotting in the pasture, trot, long trot one or two miles uh, four days a week and see if they're fit enough and have the lung, um, long trotting really develops their lungs um, instead of loping circles or sprinting. Um, you know, and, and you want to be careful with a bleeder. You don't want to be sprinting them a lot or loping them really hard for a long period of time. But long trotting is something that's good for the, the muscles on the legs and the stretching for the hamstrings and stifles and such. But it's also great for developing um, the lungs. So that's something you can look at as well. But um, I would try that and see how uh, your horse is doing. There, a third thing that could be happening is they're scared to run out of the alleyway. Some horses get claustrophobic. Um, and if it looks, you know, kind of crowded, maybe there's people down there, it's a really narrow tunnel, they'll put on the brakes before the timers because they don't want to run into the fence or to that narrow alley. So those are things to consider as well. So that's the end of my questions. I'm going to get into chapter nine now. Choose what you focus, uh, choose your focus wisely. So like I said, I really like this chapter. I loved it. It's a big one. Um, but um, for me, um, my business goals have been to really grow my business as a coach now that I'm not training outside horses um, and to be okay on my own now after being married 26 years and um, the last five years on my own. So, you know, which is really a, a huge shock for someone like me because I went from living with my father to my early 20s, you know, college, high school, college, starting off in the business career to then meeting my husband for two years together and then getting married and moving off to Colorado together. And it was just us. So um, 26 years married. So, um, so yeah, my entire life was like that. So this last five years was the only time I've ever really been on my own and just kind of getting to know myself as me, not as a mom or a wife or a daughter, but just me, which has been a whole new process. So a lot of times this, this one talks about really understanding who you are and how do you close the gap from where you want to be and from where you are. So, um, so you kind of have to look at that, you know, she's, it's 2016 now in this book and, um, in this, in this chapter. And, um, I believe she's in Oklahoma and she wins second in the average and she decides to, to hire a mental coach in this chapter, a guy named Brian. And she says, this is a big game changer for her. Uh, she thinks this is the reason she did really well that next year for her world. So, um, I believe this is right before she wins her world title. So, um, this Brian gentleman teaches her to uh, focus on what you can control while you're competing. So he asks her that, what can you control while you're competing? So 
again, I talked about this in a podcast. Um, a lot of it, uh, you would think, oh, I can control me. But there's a lot of stuff you can think about that you can't control, like the ground conditions, how others do, how others act around you, um, the outcome, the results, you know, horse's behavior sometimes isn't exactly what we what expected it to be like it was during the week or whatever. Um, if the timers work, how the show runs, the weather, if your rig made it there okay, uh, if your horse is sound, um, if there's negative energy of the people that you hauled with or your family or whatever, um, you can't control any of that. But what you can control is you, but break that down to, to several things. There's 10 things that you can look at when you're thinking about controlling you. You can control your attitude. Are you being positive? You can control your body language. Are you calm and confident and focused? Um, your effort. You can certainly control how much effort you put into it. You can control your energy. Being too high and emotional is not good. Being too low uh, isn't good either because then you may just lope the pattern instead of make a good run. So you want to be somewhere in the middle. Um, emotions. You know, again, same situation like energy. You know, you don't want to be too too high, too low, you know, have your emotions in checked. Um, not being worried about the outcome, but but yet focused on doing your job, the process. So and the next one would be engaging in the process. You know, do just like you do at home, just like you prepare at home. You know, have your routine, you know, and that's really important. Um, and the next one would be engaging, um, see, perspective. Uh, the next one would be, perspective so how you see things you know uh seeing things in a positive light and and taking adversity as a learning session you know and and dealing with any kind of adversity um and being focused would be the next one being present in the moment that's really important you know not too far in the future not thinking about the past but literally being in the moment so you can ride on timing and feel and then finally, your self-talk, being positive. So these are all super important things. So that question um, can be really in-depth if you want to give yourself a lot of time to think about that. So think about that for yourself. What can you control in competition? So um, this is a really good chapter. I'm not going to go, you know, read it, obviously, to get all the detail of it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's important um, to be very, for me, it, I like to really start off my routine at a barrel race, and I'm sure many of you do, with a prayer, you know, being grateful, because I think everything that you do with God is just going to be better, just like starting your day with a prayer. In Galatians 6-9, it says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And, um, and that's the thing, you know, you've got to stay, that's where you get mental toughness is, is sticking with it, even through the hard times. And, um, and that's really important, um, you know, to not really be too overly focused on the standings. That's something that she'd always be caught up with is the outcome and the standings. Um, but maybe focus more on what you can control before the performance, like how you prepared, uh, how you practiced. And, um, and that's what she talks about. She has a little initial she uses throughout the book on her theories of how she does things. And APE is one of them, which is like attitude, appearance, perspective, um, process, 
preparations, presence, positivity, effort, energy, emotions. Um, so, you know, she goes into detail with all of these as well, you know, focusing on the process, not the outcome. So for me, um, I've always told you guys in the group to prepare during the week, um, you know, to really have a solid warm-up plan that works for your individual horse, whether they're a lazy horse, a nervous horse, you know, most barrel horses are going to be horses that can get hot fast. So you usually have a pretty calm warm-up. There are those exceptions to the rules that you wake up a little bit more. But um, I always tell you guys to visualize. Um, visualize when you're doing your chores at home, you know. Um, but even when you get to the barrel race after you sign up, I always tell you to visualize the setup and, you know, be calm and positive and focused. Um, so those are all important things. And you know uh, how much I preach the TLC spots and riding to your spots and just be focused on doing your job. Because focus is power, and that's where you can get where she says, um, you know, the process is so much more important than the, the outcome for you to be able to do well. Um, and I totally 100% agree with that, and that really stood out to me in this chapter. Um, what, I, what I didn't realize, and I guess um, I think Brian taught her this, was successful people focus 80% on what they can control. Uh, focus is a journey, not a goal. Uh, what matters most um, is playing the game correct, uh, courage to grow as a person, God first, and the rest takes care of itself. Uh, walking with a big confidence present, uh, big confident presence. So, um, so you know, I, I I don't know where the statistics come from as far as uh, successful people focus eighty percent on what they can control, but. But that's pretty cool when you think about that. It, confidence does become a part of your lifestyle, just like eating right or exercising, um, just like your routine of riding your horse and spending time with your horse. Um, you know, <laughs> this one, this chapter talks about feel and timing, and feel is such a huge thing. Um, sometimes people, sometimes people um, have natural feel. And other people have to really work at feel. And um, so we'll go on about that here in a moment. But um, you, you've got to, the way that you get confidence is a lot of um, practicing and training. And then you have to learn to uh, train and then trust it. Okay. So she talks about embracing the suck, you know, when adversity happens, don't let it upset you, um, just pivot and and, um, you know, like if you get hurt or your horse gets hurt, um, that's why for me, um, when I got hurt, I had to pivot my business from training to more coaching and more clinics and more lessons. Um, when I was competing hard, I always had two or three horses because you're always going to have a horse that gets sore and you're going to need to rest them. You know, if you have only one horse that you're trying to compete for the year, you know, you're putting a lot of your eggs in one basket. Um, and you'll see that happen to a lot of ladies that run pro rodeo. They'll have a backup horse. So when their good horse needs a break or, or different arena conditions, etc. So um, you have to learn from it. Um, I 100% I agree with that. And you have to make that decision if you're going to let adversity be destructive for you or constructive for you. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in life. You can get heartbreak and loss and 
and stuck in a slump. Um, it's like that saying, if you get down, knocked down nine times, get up 10. You know, you have to, um, you know, you just have to be tough when you're chasing big goals and big dreams. Something I thought was really cool about this book and I, I, I this chapter that I really liked is she talked about raising your basement, uh, meaning um, you're only as good as your training, not not your only. You often hear people say, oh, I'm only I'm only as good as my competition. That's why I like to compete against tougher people. But that's not really the case. If you if you get in the tougher competition, you better have tougher training because everybody basically has the same weeks. And this is what I like. He teaches her, Brian, 168-hour plan. Everybody gets the same 168 hours a week. So that's, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week. So they talk about making a really good schedule. And, um, and I'm having everyone do that in the group for 2022 for December's challenge of making your dreams come true is to write out what the best schedule for you is. And that schedule has to include sleep. Sleep's important for an athlete. Seven or eight hours of sleep, exercising, in addition to your riding, your horse, um, listening to podcasts or reading books um, to sharpen your mental game, you know, reading the Bible, spending time with your family and friends, your work, you know, how many hours a day are you at your job or your school, um, time to meditate, um, you know, time to recover. You may need a day off or a day of rest. Um, everybody's different. Everyone's going to have a different schedule. Um, but this is what's going to get you prepared and give you confidence is that day-to-day -day stuff. So, um, they also talk about visualizing. Um, she talks about how she visualizes and she, she may visualize an entire run, but she may also visualize just a specific skill, you know, maybe just one part of the puzzle. So you may just want to visualize just first barrel. But then you need to visualize the entire thing from the alleyway to the timers. You know, it's important um, to do it both ways and literally feel yourself get up and bring yourself down and get yourself focused. Um, so, you know, those are all things that you can do, too. You can do it when you wake up in the morning. You can do it right before you go to bed at night. Those are all really important things. Um, so by practicing harder and smarter uh, that will raise your basement level is what she's trying to say here. And, um, it's, uh, practice, uh, practice is a place to try things, to see what's helping, what's working, what's not working. Um, and that's, that's a really important time. So it's good to try to things outside of their normal and see what's working and not working in your practice. So you can apply it or not apply it in competition. Uh, there was a quote in the book. She has a lot of quotes throughout the book. Uh, we do not rise to the level of expe expectations, but fall to the level of our training under pressure. And I think that's really a good quote. Um, you know, it, that is very true. You have to, um, you know, you fall to the level of your training under pressure, not raised to the level of expectations. And I think that's a huge thing. A lot of people don't prepare enough, don't train enough. So, um, it goes on to talk this book about, um, uh, you know, performance levels. I do think there's a fine line personally of how much training you don't want to train your horse so hard into overuse, um, or yourself, because that's a real thing too. You can get borderline of overuse to where you get hurt. And she learned that for herself, uh, a lot, not so much her horse, but, um, 
you know, people, people can, um, push yourself so hard, like how she tore her rotator cup. Um, but horses can get a tendon or a ligament that's starting to tear or strain, um, by overusing or not having recovery time, you know, but you can also have a problem if you're underfit. So it is important that you develop an awareness and develop strategies, um, that are smart conditioning programs for both you and your horse, but not over overdone or underdone because that's a good way to get hurt um and then she talks about taking um massive action of those of those three things to train really smart awareness strategies and action so um so just like with humans right we're taught um to do when you're trying to become fit you know when i was um competing a lot i rode a lot of horses i rode seven days a week and I was riding, you know, four to six horses minimum during the week each day and then competing on three on the weekends. Um, but in addition to that, you know, the, the best, the best, you know, if you look at anybody who's going hard, the professional athletes in the rodeo world, um, they add things to their schedules like aerobics, um, strength training, flexibility, uh, agility and balance. Um, you know, that can be done with anything from walking, running, lunges, squats, weights, push-ups, sit-ups, you know, for your horse, it could be long trotting two or three miles, suppleness exercises, you know, maybe just loping three circles or a short sprint, um, once a week, you know, knowing your horse, um, you, you really just have to know your horse and what's the best conditioning program for them. So, um, but again, like I mentioned, um, visualizing and practice um, really helps too. Um, she talks about shadowing and dry mechanic practice and, um, you know, where that's stuff you can do as mental reps anytime, anywhere. And, um, that's what visualizing can do for you. And I don't think a lot of people do that enough. So, um, I used to visualize my runs just driving down the, the road in my truck. So, um, I think visualizing is a huge part of it. Um, let's see here uh personal best is one percent um it doesn't have to be perfect you're not you're never going to be perfect she she says that she learned from from larry and brian but you strive for excellence and um and they believe to do a little a lot instead of a lot a little i remember that i remember a trainer that would take courses for one week for a thousand dollars and he would spend like eight hours each day on them, which is number one, too much for the horse. The horse is tired. They're overexposed. Um, but, and no owner is going to be able to keep that pace. No owner is going to be able to do that. So of course that horse isn't going to stay where they were in their training because that's just not practical for the average person. So I never liked that kind of training. I always felt like it was too much pressure and they were exhausted and, and I didn't like it. Um, and I, I think that's important to think about for yourself and your horse by doing a little bit every day, you're developing really good habits rather than just spending an entire Saturday doing what you could have done a little bit each day or whatever. Um, and I think that's really important. So, um, she also talks about practicing until you can't get it wrong. Um, not until you get it right. So a lot of people just practice until it's right, but other people practice until you can't get it wrong. And that's the next level. 
you know, um, that's experience, that's time, that's putting more into it. Um, a lot of it comes down to routine and consistency and confidence. Um, and then I thought this was a really good point. Do you ride the same at a small jackpot versus a big rodeo? Do you think the same? Are you in your peak performance state? Most people in my group, I would say absolutely mentally choke at big stuff because they put all that mental pressure on their self. They don't ride the same at a small jackpot as they do a big rodeo. And you have to learn how to do that. So I thought this is a really good exercise and I think everybody should do it. Um, but you need to write down your process, your routine. And you're probably thinking, oh, I know my routine. But maybe you can't. Maybe you can't describe your routine. So, um, you know, it's important. Like the things that you think about going to the alley. I know I always tell you guys to take deep breaths, to focus on the two things that you can do, and then clear your mind as you're Take those deep breaths, clear your mind, and then as you're heading to the alleyway, focus on maybe two things like riding to your spots and using your legs or whatever, or sitting down or two hands to spot one, whatever the two most important things you are. And then you've got to just be in the moment with your timing and your feel. So, um, you know, they talk about setting up a performance routine and literally write down what you would do when you get to the barrel race, one hour from the barrel race like checking in and um, looking at the lay of the arena and maybe uh, warming up your horse or stretching your horse, you know, you know, saddling, putting your leg boots on 30 minutes out. What do you do? You know, your rubber bands, your visualizing, whatever, but write down your routine and um, you know, and the moments before you run, what, what do you do? You know, I like to visualize my run. I like to say a prayer. I like to do my breathing exercises. I like to pet my horse and then think about those two things that I want to focus on as I head to the alleyway. So be specific. So write down an hour what you do out, 30 minutes what you do out, and just the moments before your run what you do. And be very specific about that. Um, she talks about big goals requiring a solid routine. Write it down, print it, put it in your horse trailer, on the horse trailer door. All those things are really important. Um, so, uh, you know... I think um, something else she talks about here is the IPS, the individual performance state. And that's very, um, very personal. And I thought this was kind of cool of looking at things on a scale of one to 10. And um, uh, for her, never to be under a seven, um, because then she's not, you know, intense enough to really, you know, have the timing and the fire and the focus that she needs, but not to get over an eight for her. Because then she's too emotional and putting too much pressure on her because she's more worried about the outcome and doing well, etc. So for her, on a scale of 1 to 10, not less than a 7, not over an 8. So that's her number, 7. Okay? So, um, you know, that's interesting because it, it is true in barrel racing. Sometimes if you're too calm, it'll be pretty without fire. And if you're too intense, it'll have a whole lot of fire and not be pretty. So, you know, finding that personal um, performance state that you want to be in, your individual performance state, IPS, I thought that was a really good idea. Um, so, again, read the book because it goes into a whole lot more detail. But um, uh, she talks, you know, earlier in the chapters about the win, um, what's important now, your focus about being in the moment and uh, living in the moment right now for your best performance. Um, 
you know, it's just like I tell my clients all the time, like brushing your teeth or brushing your hair, uh, riding and competing has to be like that autopilot where you don't even have to think about it. It's just that automatic. Um, and then that way you can go there and you can let your hair down and have fun. You can trust yourself, trust your horse, trust the process, uh, your preparation and, and compete freely to enjoy the moment. And I really love that idea to really compete freely. So, um, so again, I think that writing down your routine for performance is awesome. I think everybody should do that. You know, in my group, I already have a journal that I give out at clinics and I want everyone to do that. I always tell you guys to do that. And after every barrel race, you should write down what went well, uh, what you could do better and how you'll do it differently next time, and maybe what did you learn. So those are really good four suggestions for you after every barrel race. What went well, what could have gone better, how you'll do things differently next time, and what did you learn. So you can write that down after each barrel race in your journal and refer back to it when you go back to that arena. Um, so uh, the goal is to not get mad, um, you know, not get frustrated, just to learn. Um, not get sad and ruin your day, but to just learn and enjoy the process. Um, another quote is, uh, if you are persistent, you will get it. If you are consistent, you will keep it. And I love that quote in the book. I thought that was a good one. Um, she talks about her red, yellow, and green light. So absolutely read the chapter because a red light is a stop, right? A yellow light is a slow down or speed up and a green light is a go. And Brian tells her to start manifesting now that she's a world champion to say out loud every day, I am a world champion. So you manifest it, write it down in your journal um, as if you already are. Adapt um, your training, your mindset and your habits that you are already a world champion. I thought that was a big day. Um, so, you know, dominate every day with words of confidence, strong, positive attitudes. Um, she talked about a Headspace meditation app that Brian taught her about. You can go on YouTube, though, and find um, for free uh, meditation and, and centering things. And usually um, they consist of breathing exercises. What she did was 10 days, six times in a row where you breathe in for two and breathe out for eight on a count. So, um, but breathing exercises are amazing for getting your body to relax. And so if you find yourself nervous on your horse, this is something I always do. If you just can't get your head right, get off your horse, um, adjust your cinch, adjust your saddle, adjust your leg boots, whatever you got to do. Um, you know, rubber band your horse's mane again, and then work on your breathing exercises and then get back on. You know, if you can't get off, it's time. Just do your breathing exercises in the saddle. So, um, so anyways, these are all things I think that are really important. The journal, journaling, the meditation, um, and then the positive affirmations. So, um, so I think those are great ideas for everybody to do. Those are wonderful. So, um, let's see here. <sighs> she says, um, average people, Brian teaches her that 80% of people's thoughts are negative. I thought that was shocking. Um, that they have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Can you imagine if 80% are negative? And then it's your choice to change it. 
that makes you really stop and think, do I really think 80% negative all day? I don't think that's true for me, but I've been trying to be positive for all my life. So who knows? But uh, I'm going to think about that a little bit more. You're enough. Um, you're enough not to need others to tell you you're enough. She talks about that, um, you know, that her husband and her coaches and her friends would have to tell her she was enough, but she needed to believe it for herself. Um, and she talks about sharpening your axe, you know, that iron sharpens iron and that people sharpen people. Um, there's a quote from Abraham Lincoln, the president, the 16th president about, I need six hours to cut down a tree, the first hour to sharpen my axe. So, um, so anyhow, she talks about your red lights, green lights, red lights, um, uh, yellow lights, and you need to talk about like what's important to you. So a green light maybe would be, um, when you're breathing correctly, when you're trusting your, yourself and your horse, and when you're feeling grateful, a yellow light may, might be when you're feeling uncertain, not focused or thinking negatively. And a red light for sure would be when you're being really emotional, maybe crying, maybe worrying about the past or the present or the outcome. And so kind of learn when, when you're ready to run and when you need to wait or when you need to completely reevaluate re and readjust. So self-control to um, control performance is what that's all about. Um, and I think that's awesome. You know, when I, when Colorado days, when I was trying so hard to learn, I would go to a clinic and find myself crying. I would cry after a jackpot. I was a lot like her back then. Um, I didn't have a lot of mental game. Um, and I didn't really, I just get frustrated when I made mistakes, but experience will get you through that. And that's because, you know, I was just learning more back then and wanting to do well and wasn't really sure how to get there. And, um, and that's just part of experience. And when you get more experience, that's going to go away, but it takes time. So like in clinics, sometimes or lessons, I'll, I'll have a writer cry and I feel bad because I appreciate where they're at. They're trying so hard to understand me and do it and then get frustrated. And, and I, I totally relate to that. Um, so anyways, um, in time you learn to release and refocus, and that's really important and, and you'll get present a lot faster because of that. But in the beginning, it, it's harder to do until you get that experience. Um, so she talks a little bit about taking a physical action to reset. As I mentioned earlier, for me, I, um, I just, you know, do different things. She would, if she was on their horse, you know, um, she would lift her hat on and off, maybe smile, slap her leg. You know, for me, I always just reach down, pet my horse, rub, rub their, rub them or whatever. Um, one time, uh, Carly, one of my students, friends for a long time, I was in the holding pen. She got to where she knew me and she'd say, Hey, I saw you rubbing your horse. You were getting nervous before your run. And that's how, that was my quirk. If you see me rubbing my horse's mane, um, like wiping the sweat off of the palms of my hands, I was getting myself calm again because I'd gotten myself too worked up. And that's how I would just rub my horse and say a little prayer and calm myself down with breathing. Um, but she always knew me uh, so well that she could see me in the holding pen and see if I was calm or if I was having to readjust. So um, anyways, so that's something to consider as well as your breathing. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm out of time on this podcast. So I'm going to do a little pause and come back. Uh, let's see. Actually, I have maybe less than five minutes left. So um, I may go ahead and save some of this chapter for next time because there's still, it's a huge chapter. Um, 
I think I'll go ahead and use the balance of this chapter for next time. But um, I do want everyone to remember how important it is to believe to achieve and just keep working that 1% improvement a day to keep loving the process, um, to always be grateful and thankful for all your blessings. Um, and um, I'll come back um, and finish up this chapter in next week's um, Q&A. There's not too much more, but, um, but you know, it is an important couple more things I wanted to talk about on feel and timing. Um, that's very important. So, um, so anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, I can't believe I've been talking an hour already. So as always, um, thank you for tuning in. God bless you all and ride with heart.